take care of yourself. Invest in yourself, do the work on yourself, because on the other side of pain is peace. On the other side of fear is freedom, and you deserve it. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real, yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Moira Gorski. So glad that you are here to come back and listen in and get some tips on um, how we can show up best for our life, um, even when those around us are struggling. Even when we are struggling, there are things that we can learn. Um, I know myself, things that I've learned that can help us, um, again, just take care of ourselves, um, stand in our own power, and just, again, continue to live our best life. And, you know, as I tell other people, I really love to support people and help them find their voice and help them know that their circumstances do not dictate who they are, who they can be. So today I have um, a guest with me, uh, Terry Vanover, thrilled and very honored that she uh, said yes to come on to have a conversation with me today. She is a divorce and relationship strategist. So such a dynamic woman, She speaks very inspirationally to men and women just to, again, help to motivate them to overcome the obstacles or the the struggles that they've had. And and she does that by sharing her story and, you know, um, learning from her upbringing and her story, as many people as we have talked to on this podcast have done. So again, thrilled she's here. Um, We're going to talk about um, some self-care tips. We're going to talk about healthy boundaries and whatever else really comes up, which is what I like to do on this podcast. So Terry, again, thrilled you are here today. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. So grateful that we're getting to connect again and we're getting to talk about this stuff. It's so important. Love it. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. You are very welcome. You are very welcome. So I always say everybody has a story. And um, again, it's good to share, um, share that story and not the, not all the details and the yucky stuff and all that, but really, again, highlights of your story, which I know you have um, overcome abandonment, poverty, childhood, sexual abuse, divorce yourself, and um, just highlights of those stories, but how it brought you to what you're doing today. Um, I think that's a really great place for us to start. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll probably hear within a couple of minutes, if you haven't noticed already, I've got a pretty thick Southern accent. (laughs) It'll come out if it hasn't. And so I was uh, born and raised in a country in, in Virginia. And so just a poor country girl, My mom really lacked um, education and, you know, so we grew up, it was my sister and I and my mom, single mom, raising two little girls. She was divorced probably by the time I was four. I don't even really recall. And my biological father was a functioning alcoholic and he pretty much was out of the picture once the divorce went through. So, you know, I really felt abandoned. 
I was sexually abused by a family member when I was six, seven years old. And so I had a lot of feelings of shame, a sense of abandonment, a lot of uh, low self-esteem, a sense that I was not lovable, really, because growing up with, with poverty and bullying and sexual abuse and, and, you know, no father figure, I really felt like, you know, who could love me? And I brought all of these issues into my adulthood, but particularly my marriage. So I have to really take responsibility for the demise of my marriage. I was only married for a few short years. When my children were young, I divorced. And, and it was because I was a very needy wife, controlling, insecure. I could never feel like I had enough love, no matter how many compliments he gave me, no matter how much you know, he told me I loved me. It was never enough. And after a few short years of us being married, I found myself divorced as well. And within four months of, of going through the separation, I had lost my mom. I lost my home. I lost all my financial stability. And I was hit by a van while riding my bike. So I suffered a bunch of health, you know, you know, consequences from that, which kind of snowballed from there, which is a whole other story. So to say that my divorce was the lowest point in my life is like an understatement. You know, those four months, I, I you know, it's just unimaginable. And my aha moment for me was, you know, sitting in that basement of this strange woman's basement at the time when I, you know, had no other place to live, just crying myself, you know, day in and day night and feeling really, really lonely again. And I recognize like, you know, I was lonely during the marriage and I was lonely during this time. So I recognize that something was going on within me. I had to heal what is going on within me. You know, these abandonment issues that left me feeling so lonely and so insecure that I really had to take charge of that and do something with it. And, you know, in the process of healing myself, I recognized that I could help other women through divorce. You know, I, I, I figured that, you know what, I can use these tools and help women navigate through divorce in a much better way than I did, where you don't end up homeless and on the streets and losing all your, you know, financial stability and everything. So there's definitely a way to get through this better. Because when you're going through this circumstance, you're so overwhelmed, you're so confused, you really just don't know where to turn. And so I want to help other people get the resources, get the tools, you know, have, have a better way to get through divorce, but not just get through the divorce, like work on yourself so that you come out of it better than you even went into the marriage. Because the truth is, unless you do something different, you'll probably end up divorced again. 70% of second marriages end up in divorce. A lot of people don't recognize that. And I think that's like, I, I say that statistic so often because I want people to realize you can't just blame the other partner. You have to figure out what our accountability in it, what our responsibility is in it so that we can do better the next time around. Because once you've, you've gone through one divorce, you're going to have exes and stepkids and all kinds of stresses. So if, if you're bringing your baggage into the first marriage, just imagine the baggage that we bring into a second marriage. So I hope people 
navigate through divorce so that they don't come through being legally, financially, and emotionally devastated, but also to heal from unhealthy relationship patterns so they can do better in their next chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and don't you, um, I mean, thank you for sharing that. Again, I feel like as we, um, like I've said many times in this podcast, as we learn, as we go through our things ourselves and find things that worked for us, there are others that are in the same situation. And I always say, I just want to try to let people know that they're not alone in their struggles. And when we do that, when we share our stories, what's worked, then someone can say, wow, I'm not the only one that's going through this. And perhaps that story can be inspirational, you know, to me to, to move me forward. And don't you, I I've heard this so much that like generational patterns, they re, there are patterns generation to generation. And sometimes it's, you know, not that again, we're, we're letting people off the hook if there's abuse or if there's neglect or things like that, but there are those patterns that seem to continue to repeat themselves. And unless someone decides to interrupt that and do something differently. I mean, I found, for instance, as I did some marital counseling in the beginning of my marriage, and we did some type of geneagram, you know, where we looked at his side of the family and my side of the family and talked about the relationships, there were some distinct patterns of marriages and relationships with the men and the women that were definitely on my side. And as I looked at some, you know, all of I have three siblings and they're all divorced um, and uh, one's remarried, one's getting remarried. But the fact is there were these patterns and even the people, the men that I dated, like fit right into that. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe in generational trauma. I, I mean, I, I repeated my mother's life. <laughs> it, like, it was scary how, how I was like, oh, when I look at the patterns of how I repeated my mother's mistakes. But not only that, I really believe that what what we do in our intimate relationships is we're trying to heal the parental relationships that didn't get healed. So oftentimes we'll marry a partner or, you know, find an intimate partner where we're trying to get what we didn't receive in our childhood. And we just end up oftentimes repeating that pattern of that parent. Um, It could be You know, for me, it was looking for the love that I didn't get from my father, you know, craving that from a man. And so for me, it was constant verbal, you know, uh, affirmations. You need constant. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because I didn't get that from my own father. So there was definitely that part of me seeking that. But the good news is, like, if you heal yourself and you know the tools to give yourself the love that you're looking for, from that that parent who did the best that they could with what they had, then you can go forth and you can choose a partner from that whole self because oftentimes it's that wounded inner child that's choosing a partner rather than that grown up full person that's choosing a partner. And I definitely see the difference even in my own marriage. I'm, I'm happily remarried now to he just happens to be a New York Italian, which is funny. He's got an accent and I've got an accent. And I, I see where like, oh my gosh, it's so much different in the relationship. Like we can each be our own partner and I'm not dependent on him for my safety and security and feeling good about myself. So I really do believe that if we all did more work on ourselves, we could show up differently in our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, um, uh... I, 
have shared a, a little bit with others, but just that, um, you know, I love my parents and love my father, but I wanted to marry somebody different than my father. So I did, you know, just with, again, I did. And um, I married somebody like my mother, I've learned, mm-hmm. you know, that has some of the same, again, the same type of behaviors, if you will. Yes. And so I'm finding that to not go into all the details. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I'm finding that I'm continuing to, as I found that my mother was very, I thought she was very judgmental um, because of those that didn't fit within this box of how we should live our life. And one of the, and that was me at some times in my life. And because of that, I felt that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't living up to her standards and I wasn't good enough. And, um, and I stayed quiet a lot. I didn't share a lot. And I found that that was happening that has happened in my marriage. And um, so I continued, that's why I continued to work on finding my voice. Uh, one reason why I started the podcast and that's why I support women in finding their voice because I mean, and I'm no expert yet, like I'm not like all there, but I've learned a lot that it's so important to find your voice and um, not give that power away to someone else, which again, that was happening in mine. So I, I agree with you that you see from growing up and you're repeating that or marrying, you know, it's very, it's very interesting. And what you said, it's, there's a chance to change that for the future, yeah, for the better. Absolutely. It's absolutely you know, changeable. And I, I see that especially in, in women who are people pleasers, you know, they struggle with putting up the boundaries and, and really being the first step is to be true to yourself. Right. And really search yourself and like, what is it that I truly want? And I truly need and being really honest with yourself and then communicating that with their partner. And so many, you know, people pleaser women, they struggle with that. They put their own needs last and then they end up feeling resentful and angry and becoming passive aggressive or defensive. And so, and I, and I tell you, resentment is the number one relationship killer. Once that starts happening, it, 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 you know, deteriorates the relationship. So it's really important for women to take the time to learn your needs, to learn your desires and to communicate that in a way and follow through with that. You know, we've been raised, you know, it's socially, culturally, the way we've been raised as women is to to please others and be a good girl and fit in this box and don't make waves and don't be bossy. and, And that's, you know, led to a lot of us suppressing our needs and not standing up and not saying no when we really want to say no, but Mm -hmm. saying no. And here's another thing. I think being honest and saying no is, is much more loving because so many women, you know, they, they say yes. And it's, it's almost energetically a manipulation because you're saying yes to get people to like you or to, to not, um, get people to dislike you or whatever the avoidance that that you're you're going through. But by saying no and being honest and being authentic, that's a, a much truer place and it's a much more honest place and that relationship is built on trust. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you know because I want to spend some time here on this boundary, these boundaries issues because sometimes people think, well, boundaries is okay. Um, well, you need to be home at nine o'clock tonight. And that's the, you know, or this, or the boundary is, um, no, I'm not going to date you or no, I'm, you know, it's just, it's just, um, sometimes people look at it that it's, 
and it can be sometimes, again, the other person. But what I've learned, and perhaps, I mean, we, you talked about it just a little bit there, is it starts, what I've learned is that boundaries shows other people how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I think the first part is determining, like, what's a value, you know, what's a value to you? And what, what like you said, what are your needs? What are your desires? And, and having, and it's almost like starting with the boundaries with yourself, right? Girl, you just read my mind. So I'll give you a, a, a client example that fits into this perfectly and why it's important to do the work on yourself. Because what happens with women in particular is that they don't love themselves and they don't value themselves. So they don't stick up for themselves. So I had a client and you know, people pleaser for sure. And she, you know, her divorce was finished and we were putting up some boundaries with the ex, determining what's a, what's a healthy boundary, you know, when to pick your battles, when to let go, when to be triggered and let that go. And she was in the dating space. And so the first step is that I, that I teach people is to figure out what are your non-negotiables? What are your core values? Okay, so before you get in the dating world, you really have to know that about yourself and really get to know yourself and what's a core value. One of her core values was she had a non-negotiable of time. She needed to, if she was going to date someone, she wanted a commitment of once to twice a week date. That seems reasonable, but for everyone, it's different. For someone else, it could be totally, there's no judgment at all. It's about you being honest with yourself and knowing what, what works for you and what works for Maura might not work for me. But regardless, this was her core value. She wanted a commitment of one to two dates a week. So she was dating this guy. And after a few weeks, we started to notice a pattern where he he was not following through and so on one session she said yeah i i've realized this isn't going to work he's not he's not committing to this time commitment he's coming up with a lot of excuses blah 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 but it was another thing that i tell people is when you're dating or when you're in a relationship judge people based on whether their words match their actions not on how they make you feel and this is a really good example of that so she was starting, so because she works with me, she knew his words don't, he said he was committed to a time, but he really wasn't following through. So cut to a couple weeks later and talking with her and she still hadn't broken it off with him yet. And, and I said, okay, well, what's going on? How is he making you feel? Because that's, that's where people get tripped, tripped up. He made her feel so comfortable and accepted. And so she was getting tripped up in that feeling of being, when she was with him, she felt very accepted and she could be herself. And the thing with her family was she was raised in this very conservative religious family where she never really quite fit in and she never felt accepted and she always felt judged. And here was a guy who made her feel accepted and loved, or I don't want to say loved, but they weren't at that point yet, but she felt okay to be herself, just be herself. So she was starting to kind of push away those red flags for that feeling of acceptance. And the thing is, 
that will only get you so far because the red flags are showing themselves now. If, if he can't commit to once a week, you're going to be in trouble when there's a long-term relationship. So, she, so because she was aware of her own patterns, she was able then to follow through the next time and say, okay, this, this, so this is what I need and you're not willing to meet me there. So here we go. So that's why, Maura, so many people don't follow up on their boundaries. If you haven't healed some of these underlying issues within you, you'll tend to dismiss the red flags. If you haven't healed this, especially for people, please, or women that they just want to be liked. But here's the thing. If you love yourself and you like yourself, it doesn't really matter what other people think. So you have to learn how to love and like yourself. So what I do with my clients is I show them how to reparent themselves and give themselves the acceptance that she's longing from this guy and teach her how to, how to feel comfortable in her own skin. And, and so that when she sees the guy whose actions and his words align, that's the one that that's okay. And it, yes, he should make you feel comfortable in your own skin, but not to the exclusion of the other. Mm-hmm. So it's really important as women, we get to know ourselves and that we learn how to value ourselves. I see so many women choosing partners out of a place of, of, of trauma, childhood trauma, because they haven't healed all that stuff that they bring into the relationship. And they're looking for a partner to give them that, that they didn't get, like she was doing. She was, well, he makes me feel accepted. He, he accepts me for who I am because my parents didn't feel that way. So that's, that's one of the things I would, I would want women to really work on loving yourself unconditionally. And you know what, even more important than self-love to me, is self-acceptance, accept yourself as you are. That's more important than love even. Well, yeah, I think it's that um, you don't apologize for, you know, for yourself or what you want, you know, if you're like, well, you know, I could hear possibly her. Well, it's, I guess it's not that important. You know, I don't, I mean, I'm really busy. So maybe once a week isn't, you know, and that's probably too much to ask or whatever. Talking yourself. Yeah. That's second guessing. You start to apologize for, yeah, for your thoughts and your feelings, which really need to be of most importance. And I know as a mom of four kids and, you know, when you have, um, and speaking with people that have, someone that, you know, a child that has a chronic health issue or a, you know, mental health issue, things like that, giving and giving and giving to someone else. And you, and you, I know that I just lost track of like, really what I needed. And like, that I didn't even feel like I could, there was any space to give myself what I needed. I didn't know what I needed, except a break (laughs) from all of the drama in front of me. And I felt um, it's almost guilty that I was asking for that. I'm like, okay, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. It's like, no, no, you know what I learned <laughs> through uh, some courses and work and retreats and books is that, you know what, I'm going to take care of myself. And you know what you need to do. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you know, again, if there's small children and things like that, but I have teenagers and young adult children, I have a husband, like you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of myself. And once we're you know, once we're good with that, then we can talk about our interaction, if you will. But I like what you said, that self-acceptance, um, accepting ourselves the way I am. And even it just made me think of when you talked about that gal and that she just didn't feel like she fit in with her family. And I don't, it wasn't that extreme with my family, but I have learned throughout the years that, um, you know, again, I have two sisters and a brother. They're 
very, all three of them are very analytical. You know, they do bookkeeping, even though my brother does photography, but he does bookkeeping now and computer science and finance and risk management. They love all that stuff. That stuff, not at all for me. Like I am a nurse. I'm a nurturer. I'm a helper. Like, let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about blood and guts. Let's talk about, you know, I want to watch all the surgery shows and ER shows and stuff like that. And for a while, I felt like I didn't like, oh, there's something wrong with me. You know, and it's like, can I, can I talk now? Can I talk now? And, um, and I know that I apologize for that to myself. Like, well, maybe I'm just not, I should be like them. No, you know what? I need to be like me who God created me to be. And that's okay. And if others don't accept me for that, but maybe that's not my, that's really shouldn't be my issue. That's perhaps their issue, but I need to be, accept me, love me, love myself enough to set that boundary to say, you know what? And I, you know, this is what I learned. One of the things I learned along my journey is that, again, I learned that from my mother, very strong woman, that you just don't have to ask for help because we're strong women. We can do it all. And so it was hard, but it was a real epiphany at one of my courses that I took, a weekend type of thing that I was away. It's this big epiphany when I had to do something in this environment of this training or course, like I had to do it by myself. And I had, it was getting, there was some things that were going on that was really making me emotional. And, and then we had to go do this thing amongst in front of everybody in the group, but we had to do it by ourselves. and I couldn't do it. And, and, um, I looked at a woman who I met there that, you know, this was like a day and a half in, and I turned and looked at her, I go, can you help me with this? She goes, of course. She took my hand. We went and did the thing. It was this whole, like, Oh my God, it's the epiphany. Like, wow, it's okay to ask for help. And it doesn't mean that I'm not capable. I just need a little bit of support then. And that's what I like to call it now is support that maybe I need a little bit of support. Maybe I need to call a girlfriend and say, can we talk about this? Or can we go for a walk? (laughs) Or Mm -hmm. by the way, I'm going to go take a bath tonight. So um, just don't bother me kids or husband or whatever. I'm going to go take a bath. Those are all things that um, put me first and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, again, take care of me. Yeah. And that whole thing with the guilt thing that so many women have about feeling guilty, it's like, you know, how is taking, when you, if you don't take care of mom, who will, you know, so we don't have to feel guilty. We can let that go because taking care of yourself is taking care of, you know, your kids and your, your family and, you know, mom and dad or whomever, we can let go of that guilt. And, and here's the thing. If you love yourself and you value yourself, you don't feel guilty. Uh, You know, you go, I do deserve this. The guilt comes from that, that inner, inner self that's telling yourself like, Oh, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve a break. And the truth is you do deserve it. And you have to love yourself enough to tell yourself, I do deserve this. My family deserves this. My family deserves the best mother that I can give them. And that includes taking care of their mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a, it's a journey of learning through that for sure. Because again, I think that those, we aren't always taught that in our upbringing and what we see, um, what we see in other relationships and things like that, but it's so, so important 
Yeah, I think I think our society gives us the message that women, you know, women don't deserve more, you know, or that it's selfish to ask for more. I think there's this this subtle message that we're given and we need to start speaking up as women for what we need and what we deserve and teaching our children. It's okay to speak up for yourself and to advocate for what you need and to advocate for yourself. Those are, those are, so that's another thing too, that I, I impress upon the people that I work with is like, you're modeling for your kids just like your mother modeled for you. You're, so do you want your kids to grow up and feel undeserving and worn out and resentful? That's the big thing. The resentment is the big one because it just kills so many relationships. Nobody wants to be carrying that around. So, you know, do you want to model what a strong mom that, you know, takes a break and feels good about herself and looks good and, you know, does all those things. That's that's what we want to model, not not a martyr, you know. Right. Yeah, that was one thing that that this course talked about. They talked about like the different um, behaviors or personalities, so whatever you want to call it. But the martyr, victim, and a villain, you know, we f- tend to be in one of those, or we can be the leader of our own life. And mm-hmm. um, again, it was a great um, education for me to learn that. And, you know, even women that I work with, because I do have a wellness business and I, you know, help people live healthier lives with natural choices, but I also coach uh, people to be their own own entrepreneur and have their own business. And I speak with a lot of women who are moms and they're at home and they're like, but I have to, you know, I have to take care of my kids and all that. And it's like, that's great. I mean, being able to be a mother and to be home with them is quite an honor. And, uh, and I, and I love the fact that I've been able to do it. But as I talk to these um, women, it is like that modeling, like it's not all, it's not all the kids, but you know what, there's a time that those children will not be around your house anymore, that you don't need to, to devote all of that time to them. And then what, and then what happens? I mean, when those children walk out of the house, be it that they go to college or they go to the military or they go move out, like a little piece of that mother leaves with them. Mm-hmm. And it kind of leaves, I find this, it leaves this like space of like, oh, I gave like, what about me now? Like, mm-hmm. and so I talk with people about like, you can have something and it can be a small business, a large business, but you can have something that gives you that fulfillment that you build while you have your children around you. And then as they leave, I mean, you have something that is really yours, you know, and that gives you that fulfillment. Again, children give us, I'm so thrilled that I have children. It, you know, it feels, I mean, some, most days, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, and no one's saying, and, and I think that's another thing too. It's not, it's not okay for moms to have bad days or like, or to have, you know, we all have, let's be real. Being a mom is shitty sometimes. It is like hard. Some days are just difficult and it's okay to say, this is difficult. I need a break. I need help. I need support. And, you know, another thing, getting back to what you're saying about taking care of yourself as moms, like, you know, when we're going through really, really difficult times, such as taking care of of someone who is struggling, a special needs kid, uh, someone who's having some health challenges or, you know, those types that are going through divorce. I call it radical self-care. 
I mean, it's really having a self-care plan in place and following through. That's a big part of building the self-esteem. What, what people don't understand is it's, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you, when you take a small step and you go, oh, I made it to the gym today, it helps to boost your self-esteem or give yourself that love because you go, oh, I took care of myself today. And then the next day you want to do it again and again and again. And every little you know, step that you take towards taking care of yourself sends yourself the message that I am worth it. I am valuable. I deserve this. And then it starts to build upon itself. So I think that's a really important thing to, to teach women. Like, it's okay to put up some boundaries and say, you know, yeah, I'm doing my workout every morning at this time. And it's a non-negotiable. These are the things like, what are your non-negotiables? And I, I will tell you, my kids, they, I'm a big like workout fanatic. I don't, I usually do it six to seven days a week. It's some, some kind of activity but it's, it's a non-negotiable in my house. Every, everyone knows it. There's no, there's, it's, there's no argument or like, oh, no, because they know when I get back, I'm going to be a better version of myself. And I think that's what women need to be telling themselves and, re- and reframing. You're not sacrificing time with your kids. You're giving your kids the best mom that you can give them. Like, that's how I look at it because they know I don't want to skip a workout. <laughs> they know better, really. They like, you know, happy mom from the gym mom who, you know, gets her workout in and feels good about herself. Like, it, it's, we just have to reframe how we're looking at it. We don't have to sacrifice our needs. It can be a win-win situation. Right. And I, you know, again, the audience of this podcast, you know, many of you listening, I do have children that have eating disorders. And so I remember going through a period of time, I love to work out too. I love to, you know, it just makes me feel good, you know, and all the endorphins and, and uh, I don't weigh myself and all of that. It's just, I like to, you know, it's part of my self care. But several years ago, when I was speaking with a friend of mine, who's, you know, talking just you know, talking. And I said, you know, I've just got to gotten away from that. I feel like it might be triggering to my daughter. My daughter can't exercise and I might be. And she said, okay, so like, tell me what you're doing when you go and work out. I'm like, well, I go to a yoga class for it. You know, I'm gone for an hour. I do a walk with a friend or I go one around the park. And she said, just like you said, that's making you a stronger, healthier mother. And so don't feel guilty about that and share with your daughter and I hope the audience here to share with your daughter, you know what, not now for you, this isn't something that's appropriate for you. Um, I'm modeling how to, like, we need to be, I've said this before in the podcast, we need to be this living example of how to take care of ourselves. Yes. And part of that is, a big part of it is this self-care. And it, you know, we need to move a, a little bit every day. We need to sleep well. We need to drink lots of water. We need to eat well and all those kind of things. But we're modeling that. Um, and again, because I know that there's a lot of parents who's like, well, I don't want to do that because it might be triggering. Well, we need to have those conversations, like those real conversations of, and you should have a conversation with yourself. Are you doing things that are too extreme that perhaps are showing a poor example to your children, you know, be them struggling or not, like, you know, get real about what you're doing, but know that you do have, you really need to fill your cup up. You know, you fill yourself up, get yourself to be a strong mom, woman, man, so that you can be, be a, be good for the world, you know? 
And can we talk about what self-care is? Because I think that's, especially for women, has gotten this whole connotation of it's sitting in a bubble bath. Like, I was like, I do not take baths. Like, when I think of self-care, that is not what I think of. For me, self-care is my workouts. Um, even when I go on vacation, I look forward to it because I'm like, Woo-hoo! you know, I don't have to be on a schedule. I can just work out whatever I want. But self-care is whatever grounds you and brings you that sense of peace. For me, it's sometimes taking time to read a book. Walking out in nature is a big one for me. Uh, Meditation, I meditate every single day. That's a self-care practice that I have implemented. But it's, you know, it's different for everybody. And I think it's what brings you, what grounds you, what nurtures your soul, what helps you feel better about yourself. So I think we can also redefine what self-care is too, because I think there's this mis- misconception that you go off in a bubble bath for two hours. So I was like, no, it could be a 15 minute phone call with your sister just to touch base, or it can be a 20 minute walk out of nature alone. Mm-hmm. It can be a two minute meditation. There's so right. many ways that we can just reconnect with ourselves and ground ourselves and let go of some of the stress and anxiety we're feeling. Right. Yep. And I, and I like the fact, I mean, it's different for everybody. And so I just encourage people. I started my podcast a year ago talking about my morning routine, you know, that's three or four steps. That is like every morning. That's what I do because it grounds me. They know my kids know where I'm at in the morning. If they get up and they don't know where mom is, I'm either out walking or at the gym. And most days I'm home because the gyms are closed, but you know, I'm either in the front room or sometimes I'm upstairs in the corner of my bedroom in a quiet place, headphones in, journaling, reading, meditating, praying, whatever. So you got to find that, um, that routine that works for you, like you said, to ground you and all of that. Have you found as we, you know, look at kind of wrapping up this time, have you found any good, uh, like books that have helped you or that you recommend for your clients? That's because I know when I talked with that um, gal a few years ago, and I was, you know, saying, I just don't feel good about myself, but I'm trying to take care of my daughter. And I, you know, she's like, you know what, do you know this book called You Are a Badass? She's by Jen Cicero, however you say that, you know, I picked it up and I read it like throughout, like over a weekend. And it was like, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Like, I am a badass. I need to put myself first. So that really helped me. And I recommend that to a lot of moms. Do you have some favorites that you recommend? Um, or podcasts or, you know. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I listen to different healers and different, you know, authors, depending on, you know, I kind of prescribe different, like people depend on what their different issues are. I think for some people, um, I do love Jen Cisnero, that you are a badass. I think she's been really great, um, especially because she comes from that creative space. So for a lot of creative people thought she, she had a really great message. Um, I love Brene Brown. And when she talks about shame and vulnerability and those types of things, but Mel Robbins is another good one for those people that struggle with like, you know, procrastination and just overthinking, like get up and do it. Five, four, three, two, one, get up and do it for some practical applications of, cause sometimes women will talk themselves out of going to the gym or, Oh, I can't do it. You know, and like five, four, three, two, one, get up and do it, you know, kind of a practical strategy. I like, I like her. 
I've been listening to a lot of Peter Crone podcasts and things. He's more into like, you know, healing your own, you know, childhood issues and looking through a lens of, of being present and being focused right now, not living out of fear and pain. So I love yeah. that too. Yeah. But, um, I love all of those. Uh, Mel Robbins. I love her. She actually spoke at a convention that I was at and I love the, um, when you wake up, get up. Um, yeah. because I often do that. And um, I've really seen the benefit of that. Like the universe is telling you to get up um, because there's things that, you know, you need to do kind of thing. There's a podcast that I listen to often. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the adult chair by yeah. Michelle Shalfont. And um, it's from, and she's a licensed clinical therapist and, but it's like living your life from the adult chair as opposed to the adolescent chair. And it's really, it's good. And she talks about, I mean, she did a whole boundaries thing and she talked, she has some really wonderful guests on um, and she's just really awesome too. So I think that's a good one for this, for this episode too, is just, and you can find her at the adult chair, you know, com type of thing. But again, knowing that we're coming and we're parenting from that adult chair, yeah, I think that's a good one more. It definitely goes to what we're talking about. I think many of us are more in our child chair, especially in our intimate relationships than we, we realize. I, I, even me, who's been doing the work for years, I, I, I recognize when I'm coming from that wounded inner little girl needing something from my husband. I definitely, I recognize it now, but we're more in that than we realize. And oftentimes when I work with, with the women that I work with that are struggling in their marriages, they have the unresolved inner child issues that they haven't resolved. And they're looking for their, their partners to, to heal that for, unconsciously. You know, we're not mm-hmm. conscious of it. And once you start to recognize your signs and become conscious of it, it's, it's, it's life-changing. Right. Well, and I think that if somebody's, you know, hearing this and they're saying, wow, I'm really curious about that, you know, that's why, you know, I encourage people to reach out to you, Terry, because you can help them discover that. Um, you know, I'm doing a dance competition at the end of the week, and I've done a lot of, like, my little inner child, my little young girl of me, I've been thinking a, a lot about recently, and I've done some work through that. And it's really not like she was wounded, but she really just, like back then, like I said, I was a little different than my siblings. Like I've realized that I just wanted to be seen and, and seen and appreciated for who I was and that I'm special and I'm unique. And so instead of like, I'm again, not to go into that, that's another podcast for um, probably <laughs> after the competition. Um, but I've really identified that for, with some help from some others and really giving light to that. And so as I head onto the dance floor, I'm like saying, come on, let's go. Let's go show people how awesome and special you are. You know, so yes. not coming from that wounded place, but you know what? I'm I'm kind of like nurturing that child there that, and, and I don't know if I'm using the right words, but just kind of, again, nurturing and saying, come on, it's okay. We're going to show people how unique and special we are. And it's okay no, to absolutely. love ourselves. So it's those Laura, kind of that things. That is wonderful. No, I agree with you a thousand percent. It's it's about tuning in and tapping in and saying, what, what do I need? You know, and for some of us that have like more significant wounds, yours just need, you just need to feel seen and heard and validated, and, you know, and recognize. And that's great that you recognize it. For others, it's like, for me, it's like a sense of safety and security and, and so to know that when we're aware of that, to give us what we really need, 
right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the beauty in this, rather than asking our partner for the wrong thing. I need you to do this, this, and this, and it's not actually what you need. It's a it's a topic versus an issue. I call that in relationships. Oftentimes we're fighting over topics, but we're not really addressing the underlying issues. So it's great that you've recognized that about yourself. I need this. I'm giving it to myself. And and to do that, that's wonderful. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I've gotten, you know, some people have, you know, helped me th- with that and helped me identify so that, yeah, and it feels, it feels good. Um, it feels good. So um, like I said, and those that are listening, you know, a lot of times we need help kind of getting through these things. And sometimes we can discover it by listening to a podcast. Sometimes it's great to have a coach like you or myself, that type of thing that can really help us through that. So how can people find you? Where are you, Terry, that people can um, find you and connect with you? Well, you can definitely find me at uh, choosingtorise.com. That's my website. You can get a, a, a free surviving divorce guide. That's that's one place. But I also have some free support groups on Facebook called Rise Above Divorce. So if you you know want to look that up, Rise Above Divorce Facebook support groups, we have some great resources and insights and, you know, put the podcast here so, you know, other people can listen and, and get our message out about these healthy boundaries and taking care of yourself and loving mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. And all that'll be in the show notes too. So if you didn't write that down, you'll see it, you know, check out the show notes, but any last words as we finish up, I'm really, again, I loved our conversation today and I know that the listeners are loving it too and got a lot of value from it. Um, Any last words as we kind of close up today? Yeah. You know, it's just take care of yourself, invest in yourself, do the work on yourself because on the other side of pain is peace on the other side of fear is freedom and you deserve it, really. I, I think for so many people, they're just afraid to invest in themselves, especially women. They don't want to take the time and energy and, you know, oh, it's better on my kids. No, there's no better investment than yourself, than taking care of yourself and bringing the best self to all your relationships. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Um, that's awesome. Again, thank you again for being here, Terry Vanover. Um, again, wonderful, wonderful gal, um, divorce and relationship specialist. You can find her at that uh, choosingtorise.com. And again, thank you for coming here. It's just continues to be a pleasure of mine to get to know you better. And again, how you serve other people and um, a very similar mission and knowing that we're not alone in this journey of life. And sometimes we just need a little bit of help. We need a little bit of support. We need some guidance and um, and guidance from those that have gone before you, right? We've Absolutely. gone through yes. some um, trials and tribulations ourselves, found things that have worked for us, and we just have this servant heart that we want to help other people. So again, thank you for being with me today. Thanks um, for having me. You are very welcome. And thank you listeners for being here. Um, continue to share the podcast with others because there are more that need to hear the message. Um, come back, uh, keep coming back, and um, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people 
who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.